0: Welcome to Cheddar Innovates, brought to you by Curiosity Stream. I'm Alicia Nieves.
1: Good to see you, Alicia. I'm Baker Machado. Cheddar's teamed up with Curiosity Stream, and every week, guys, we bring you the latest trends, innovations, and breakthroughs that are shaping our future.
0: Yeah, check out thousands of titles on science, nature, history, and technology only on Curiosity Stream.
1: So guys, we got a good show coming up for you yeah. innovators. Coming up, guys, we're going to get uh, a look at the satellite that's searching for the earliest light and also the Big Bang and also searching for signs of life on distant planets as well.
0: Plus, we'll hear from the former Nike executive looking to launch a new era of sportswear.
1: And then a little bit later on, we're going to look into the company that's making good mood food. That'll help boost serotonin as it satisfies your hunger. But first, before we get to all that, guys, here are some of the stories we're following for you in innovation.
0: All right. So here, let's start with this one. A new robot is showing a softer side of artificial intelligence. Meet Ada. Aiden Mellers invented uh, this robot and says that the robot is no terminator instead it is the world's first ultra realistic humanoid artist. Meller says that Ada is into art and poetry and used algorithms to create. Uh, Ada has even been given a public performance at the University of Oxford Oxford's Ashmolean Museum in Britain. The robot created artwork for the museum's exhibit marking the 700th anniversary of Italian poet Dante's divine comedy this is fascinating the robot obviously being into art and poetry um i wonder if you program that how do you program organic growth of the robot's own artistic (laughs) Well, Um, versus copying or putting together other artists. Maybe that's art in itself. I I mean,
1: I think Ada looks chic. I mean, she she had a nice haircut. Her style looked good. You normally never see that on AI robots whatsoever. Uh, It looks like maybe she got her lips done also. (laughs) So I think she looks wonderful. I think she's great.
0: Truly humanoid if she's getting her lips done.
1: Right, true. (laughs) Meanwhile, astronomers, (laughs) Alicia, tracking a giant comet that they say is changing the way that they view cosmic Snowballs. That according to a new study from the University of Maryland, astronomers are saying that this comet is the largest they've ever discovered. Look how huge it is. It's about a thousand times bigger than a typical comet. <laughs> and according to the study, it is active despite being at a near record distance from the sun. Now, comets need the sun to heat their surface. They say BB is already spewing dust and vapors, even though it's far out in the outer solar system. They believe the new information could help them figure out what these comets are made of. How interesting is this, and especially how big it is,
0: Alicia? Yeah, this is one of those where I have more questions than I have comments or answers on. Yes, Hopefully yes. the scientific community can we'll provide up- that. We'll do an update of, on that. We'll sometime. do an update, yeah. I don't know what what, what does a dust mean, the, what impact does it have. Yeah. We'll have to figure out and see it. Maybe that's what they're trying to figure out um, themselves. Speaking of scientists, scientists have found evidence of ancient land dwellers at the bottom of the ocean. Researchers with Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute say they discovered a Columbian mammoth, a tusk in the deep waters off California's coast. Scientists estimate the tusk is more than 100,000 years old. It's over three feet long and was found about 185 miles offshore and 10,000 feet underwater. The researchers note that mammoths remains from northern or from the continental north america are particularly rare they plan to use the tusk dna to refine what we know about mammoths in this part I am just always fascinated this is a part of the reason why I absolutely love this show Uh, Mm. just what scientists can discover from DNA and the history and story that it tells and potentially that past being a indicator for decisions for us to make in the future obviously when it comes to some of these distinctions and and, uh, the mammoth you know being that large and being that old.
1: Also how much DNA and information you can get from the tusk it's almost like a tree stump where it's like you can count the rings to figure out how old it is at this you mean all the information just inside that tusk, just so cool. And another rare find on the British farm has wowed some history buffs also, as Historic England says archeologists have now found a Roman mosaic under a farm in Rutland, that's in the East Midlands, you see it there. Now this is the first time a Roman mosaic has been uncovered for 1,600 years. The artwork depicts the Greek hero Achilles' battle with Hector during the Trojan War, It measures about 36 feet by 30 feet, and it forms the floor of what experts are saying was a dining or entertaining area in a large villa. They say the complex dates all the way back to the third and fourth century AD, and it includes barns, possible bathhouses, and boundary ditches. Human remains dating back to the late Roman or early medieval period also found on this site. By the way, archaeologists have found so many interesting Roman uh, artifacts over time. Also, just a few months ago, they found what looked to be a bar at one particular point uh, way back in the day that they used to like get together and drink cocktails at one point. Uh, So the stuff that they're finding, especially in the Roman and the Roman age is amazing right now.
0: It's fascinating because I think it continues to help us paint a picture that these, um, you know, environments and these societies are far more sophisticated than historically we give them credit for. We did a show I I think not too long ago about Vikings and that was also kind of refining the ideas and, and imageries and stereotypes we have for for these societies in years and and centuries past and i think we get that when we kind of see these mosaics and, and we get these new discoveries we understand there was so much more color and dynamic oh, yeah. um, you know, to, to these societies and I, I was i was not that long ago in rome uh, and had the privilege of just looking at the architecture there and just sitting around and wondering and just being wowed and amazed by how much these societies were able to accomplish and build and create Without modern technology, None. it's just absolutely yes, fascinating and impressive. Um, and for some reason, it makes me have the urge to just give history and these, you know, past ancestors and generations more credit than we give them.
1: Absolutely. The stuff we find on this show is amazing.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, speaking in kind of in the same vein here, the largest, most advanced space telescope ever, uh, ever made is finally set to launch into the cosmos. The James Webb Telescope is the result of decades of research, design, and innovation built to look further into the universe than ever before? Just take a
2: look. The James Webb Space Telescope is designed to nothing less than revolutionize our understanding of the cosmos. It has three main missions. To see the earliest light from the Big Bang. To study the formation of galaxies and stars to look for signs of life around distant planets.
3: I think the greatest promise of the James Webb Space Telescope is it will answer questions that none of us have imagined or thought to ask. And the discovery potential is huge, and uh, I think it's gonna have an amazing effect on humanity.
0: James Webb will go where no other telescope has gone before. Uh, we are going to try and see the first stars and galaxies and see how uh, how stars and protoplanetary systems were formed, which led to the formation of planets. We are going to see a lot more Five, than we have seen four, before.
3: Three, two, one, and liftoff of the space shuttle Discovery with the Hubble Space Telescope, our window on the universe.
2: The first conference to consider a telescope like Webb took place in 1989, before the Hubble Space Telescope was even launched. This is because scientists already knew that if they wanted to see the faintest, earliest light of the universe, they would need a radically different type of instrument to Hubble.
3: Unlike Hubble, that uh, primarily operated in the visible spectrum, in order for us to be able to see back in time to those very first uh, galaxies. James Webb is actually gonna primarily work in the infrared uh,
0: spectrum.
4: The photons that started off in the optical wavelengths that our eyes could see, because the universe is expanding, that light has shifted into the infrared. Its wavelengths have gotten longer. But that's a trick that Mother Nature played on us.
2: The first light that ever appeared was produced by the first stars and galaxies 13.5 billion years ago. Then as the universe grew, this light became redder and fainter until it's now invisible to our eyes. But Webb is designed to overcome our limitations, to allow us to see what has never been seen before.
4: So it starts off really simple, but what that means is, I'm looking at light that is very faint, comes from very far back in time. So I have to catch more photons. I need a bigger mirror. I need something seven times bigger than Hubble. And once you start conceiving of that, you actually are designing a mirror that's bigger than the top of a rocket.
0: Building the James Webb Telescope is the latest episode in Curiosity's original, outgoing, or ongoing series, Breakthrough. And you can watch it everywhere you get CuriosityStream. Want more top-tier content on science, nature, history, and technology? We'll stay curious. And head over to CuriosityStream.com to sign up today. All right, coming up, we hear from a former Nike executive about how he is shaking up the fitness apparel space with Gravity Sportswear. We'll have that next.
1: And welcome back, everyone, to Cheddar Innovates brought to you by Curiosity Stream. I'm Baker Vachado in New York, and there's so much innovation that goes into the fitness industry. But when you take a step back and you look at the clothes that we wear when we work out, well, there's still a lot of room for improvement. So our next guest is a former Nike executive who has spent over two decades in the industry and is now looking to create a new era of sportswear. So joining us now is Stefan Olander, co-founder of uh, Ormorpho. Stefan, thank you so much for joining us. So you've created what's called Gravity Sportswear. So tell us a little bit about what this means and what kind of clothing are you really creating here at the end of the day?
4: Yeah. Hey, good morning. It's uh, great to be on. I think Gravity Sportswear has a pretty simple insight. It basically started with uh, the notion that we've been told forever that athletic sportswear should be lightweight because lighter is better, right? The less you carry, the, the the faster you can go. But ironically, the first thing we do when we put on all this lightweight is add resistance, whether that's weights when you go to a gym or resistance on a treadmill or on a, on a, on a bike. So, so we said to ourselves, why wouldn't we just build that into the product itself and give people a chance to get more from every workout?
1: I love that. So I, I didn't know this, but this line took over three years of product testing and design. I mean, I guess if you want to get it right, you've really got to focus and research on this thing. So what went into the research and development of this final product? and a
4: lot of this is when when you develop any piece of apparel it looks uh, pretty easy and straightforward but if you want to do it right you got to make sure that it's comfortable you got to make sure that it has the right effect you got to make sure that it's washable you got to make sure that athletes have no distractions and that takes time and and we're we're really really proud when creating this product to make sure that it is approved and it's tested uh, and that's what takes time and, and 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 that's why the results are as great as they are
1: Okay, so when it comes to sports, clearly having a strong team is incredibly critical. So tell us more about the team you got over at Amorpho here.
4: Well, I mean, what's so amazing about this is when you come up with ideas, uh, my co-founder, Ben Williams, and I said, we, the only way we're gonna do this is we can surround ourselves with with truly, truly talented people. And, and, and there seems to be an enormous amount of interest for people that have spent a lot of time in in big, large corporate settings to join a small group of people where there is this really you can have an unbelievable impact by getting together. And we have we have gathered a group of such talented designers and developers and you know uh, thinkers that just have this deep passion for just creating something that'll shake up an industry that's been pretty stale because not a lot has happened in in apparel for a long, long time. And we said, why don't we just go create a new category?
1: So let's talk about the financials here, Stefan, because you guys launched early November. You got about five million in seed funding. So what are you using the round for? And what potential do you do your investors really see from all of this?
4: Well, I mean, obviously you, you need marketing, you need to build out inventory to make sure we have a position. We need to build out an unbelievable team and then develop a platform. We're direct to consumers. So you know, Fit, which is our platform for this where you can buy all this takes a lot of resources to build if you want to build it right and build it in an appropriate way so that consumers can have a great experience. So uh, m- predominantly platform people and then marketing. We got to let people know that uh, this is around because it's a completely new concept. But we're incredibly excited. And I think the biggest thing investors are interested in and believe in, to your point, is they see what we see. This is an entire category ripe for, um, for innovation and for something that, that revolutionizes the way we think of it. Every single time someone tries it on, when we send out, you see our leggings here, uh, we do tops, we, we get the response that says, why has no one thought of this before?
1: Yeah, no, the, such a great question, because you're right, we haven't seen a lot of change or innovation when it comes to this sector of the industry. As I mentioned, you, you had a pretty high role at Nike before. You were the VP of digital innovation there. So I'm curious, what trends and innovation are you watching closely in the fitness industry going into the next year here?
4: I think for me, it's been really interesting to see this evolution over the past decade or so. Uh, I think there was a, a huge rush into the quantified self. Um, which is, it's really really interesting right we can sense more and, and a lot of that can happen in our in our apparel and in our sportswear but it also shows that, um, there is a small group of people that have a huge interest in very precise information around their biometric data. But most people, they just want motivation and a little bit more out of their workout. And I think we're hitting a time now where the geekiness has sort of come out of it. And now we're looking more at what is true consumer value. Um, obviously we know how home fitness is exploding uh, obviously propelled by, by the pandemic. But it's also this realization that, what if I could get more from my workouts without having to go somewhere else? And that's what we're tapping into, this idea that you basically can wear your gym. Uh, And a lot of this, I think the key thing with regards to trends is really simplicity. Uh, you know, our mission is to simplify the pursuit of a fit life. And people really are looking for solutions that aren't either super expensive or cumbersome. And I think those are the trends. It's just simplifying people's lives.
1: Well, I'm glad somebody's working on all this because my sportswear needs a major upgrade. Uh, Stefan, congratulations on all the success. Great to meet you. Stefan Olander is the co founder of Omorpho. And next, guys, we're joined by the founder of Cool Beans, that is a plant based burrito company. That is putting the planet first, that's next at Cheddar Innovates.
0: Welcome to Cheddar Innovates, brought to you by Curiosity Stream. Research finds that the market for plant-based food is worth about $7 billion, but a lot of the plant-based and vegan options on our shelves aren't as healthy as they may seem. That is why our next guest has launched Cool Beans, a whole food plant-based burrito brand. And joining us now is Tyler Mayores, CEO of Cool Beans. Tyler, thank you so much for being here. Let's just start with the story behind Cool Beans. What is it?
3: Sure. Yeah, I was inspired to uh, address climate change through diet and I went vegan about five years ago after learning about the huge impact of climate impact of animal agriculture. But like you said, when I when I went down that road, I was very frustrated that I couldn't find healthy alternatives. Much of there's a lot of vegan food out there, but a lot of it's vegan junk food and it's highly processed, highly saturated fat. And so I just couldn't find alternatives. So I started making things myself. And from there, Cool Beans was born.
0: You know, we know that you use globally inspired flavors for some of these burritos. What makes them so unique? I would imagine also yummy and then of course healthy.
3: Sure. So we um, we use fewer, fewer ingredients to create better health and flavor profiles. Um, our, our products are minimally processed and really whole food ingredients. So it's just beans, veggies, whole grains, and then spices to bring the flavor. And uh, when you cut into a, a cool beans wrap, you actually, there's no motion side. You actually see the whole ingredients and taste those ingredients. So we're, and we're proud to be vegan, uh, non GMO, and gluten free.
0: You mentioned a moment ago that you made the decision to, to go vegan for climate change purposes. Um, can you put into perspective for us and our viewers, the environmental impact of the meat, the meat industry?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. The the um, negative impacts of meat, the meat industry and animal agriculture in general is, is staggering. There's a commonly known statistic that about 15% of greenhouse gases are caused by animal agriculture and I, I'm a private equity investor by, for about 20 years prior to doing this. And I actually had resources and whatnot and decided to validate that and build it up myself. And when I calculated from the bottom up, I actually came up to 16 to 19% of all greenhouse gases being caused by animal agriculture, which is a- unbelievably more than all the cars and trucks on the road. So even if we converted every car to electric, it still wouldn't be as much impact as just moving everybody to a plant-based diet.
0: Well, you seem to have been obviously effective in that aspiration in terms of the impact you're hoping to have, because we know that Cool Beans um, is officially climate neutral certified for 2020 emissions. Was this an easy feat to achieve? I can't imagine that it was. But also, how and why do you think other companies should do the same?
3: Yeah, great question. We, we, um, you know, we're, we're very environmentally focused and we wanted to have a positive Uh, impact so we wanted to walk the walk in essence if you will now as a plant-based company we obviously have a much smaller carbon footprint than than an animal-based product company Um, but we partnered with climate neutral and climate neutral.org they do the calculations to figure out what is your carbon footprint based on all the products that you sell and manufacture and and also uh, travel and other things related to being a corporation and then we buy offsets of green projects, things like solar in China or planting trees in South America. And then that offsets our climate footprint. And, and, and you know, frankly, we think all companies should do this because it just makes us much better corporate citizens.
0: Aside from climate change and effectively talking the talk and walking the walk, as you mentioned there, we also know that Cool Beans is uh, also considered a good mood food and can boost serotonin. Can you break this down in terms of what it means to be a good mood food and the science behind it?
3: Yeah, that's one of the most exciting things about uh, plant-based diet is, you know, Basically, by eating cool beans and, and, and other plant high fiber foods, you're you're basically creating eating to a better and healthier lifestyle um, and happier lifestyle. Excuse me. So 90 uh, percent of the serotonin that you produce is produced in your the gut lining by good bacteria. And those good bacteria thrive on fiber uh, and you can only get fiber from plants and the mushroom kingdom. You can't get it from animal products. So animal products have zero fiber. And as a result, you want a diverse high high fiber diet. And um, with Cool Beans, we actually in our five flavors have 25 different plants. So you're getting a wide variety that fosters a wide variety of good bacteria for both good mood and health and immunity.
0: All right, so what's the future? Uh, future plans for Cool Beans?
3: Sure. We, we started with uh, wraps and we ultimately want to have a family of, of whole food, plant-based products. So we'd probably see us in bowls in the future and breakfast items. And, and, and then down the line, I think you'll, we'll branch out into even more um, in, interesting things. But um, you can find out and follow our innovation on EqualBeans.com. That's, that's our website. And there's also a store locator there to find, find us close to you. And we're in several chains, uh, Wegmans, Sprouts, and Safeway in Northern California and Hawaii.
0: I was gonna ask you where can you find uh, you know, these burritos? You, you answered it there. My last question then to you will be, what's your favorite burrito to eat? or you maybe a top three?
3: Yeah, I love the spicy Chipotle. I eat that a, a lot and it's, uh, it's got a smoky spicy flavor. So that's great if you like some heat, but it, it definitely brings the heat. Our most popular flavor right now is Tikka Masala but we just introduced sesame ginger and um, that looks like it's probably going to be our number one seller in the future because people are just raving about it
0: we say all that right ahead of lunchtime, and about four minutes away i'll be grabbing my <laughs> lunch really appreciate your time tyler mayoris ceo of cool beans all right, I'm going to bring back Baker Machado because that's going to do it for today's episode of Cheddar Innovates brought to you by Curiosity mm. Stream. Interesting note here, Cool Beans, I was just saying earlier in the studio, it was kind of my tagline in college. I used to say that all the time. What, Cool, cool, cool beans? beans? Yep, that used to yes. be my line. And now it's uh, some interesting food and awesome vegan food uh, for us to try, maybe for lunch.
1: Megan Cool Beans great <laughs> again, as always, Alicia. Good stuff. Guys, we'll be back here next Thursday, 1130 a.m. Eastern time for a lot more innovation. But don't go anywhere. we got a lot more Cheddar news coming up right after
4: this we